You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News, and today... If you've heard me do that robotic intro over and over and over again, that's very fitting for the Pacers, who are robotically losing close games over and over and over this season. Lots to get to talking about their 100-98 to loss to the Timberwolves, how this team is playing, what's going on right now for a team that continues to lose close games. And joining me to do that, the founder of 8.9 Seconds, perhaps the father of Pacers Twitter himself, Mr. Jared Wade. Jared, how's it going, man? Yeah, doing pretty well. Watching another uh, tough loss for the for these guys, but like, as you say, it's kind of normal at this point. It's always fun to talk with Jared Wade, who covered this team since I was like twelve, <laughs> <laughs> has more knowledge of this franchise than I potentially ever will. Uh, but this has just been like like I get losing close games and not having a closer, having a, a coaching issue, and in this game, both of those problems popped up actually, but. To lose, there's a point where you lose so many close games in a row, and you're just like, "What is going on with these guys?" Because you know Brogdon's been clutch in the past, and they, they've been really good. For those who didn't watch the game, by the way, the Pacers lose to the Wolves 100 to 98. They blew a 12 point lead. We'll talk about the whole game in a minute, but I want to start at the end because that's the story of the game to me: is that they just can't win these close games. It happens over and over. In this one, they were down three chance to tie it. Brogdon doesn't get anything going on a play, dribbles there out of the ball. They don't get a three point attempt up the rest of the game. I mean, Jared, what, what do you kind of feel like is plaguing them in these close games where they continue to lose them? You know, Brogdon just now post game talked about the defense being the issue. Where do you kind of feel like the crux of what's going on is with this team? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you look at each game kind of individually and there's like these little bad luck situations and, you know, just a couple of bad plays and stuff like that. Like I, I forget who hit the three in the corner, but you know, that was kind of like a tap out. They've had a good defensive possession and then just goes to him wide open kind of randomly. Right. And that kind of was really the difference, obviously Brogdon. And I don't know what they were doing on that last play, putting Domas in the dunker spot, just not moving, running a guy next to him into the corner. And Justin holiday just gets a, you know, a really a bad possession for like the middle of the second quarter. And they get really nothing out of that. So it is weird because the last couple of years, it seems like coaching has been significant. And now they bring in a Hall of Fame coach that Mavs Twitter might tell you was kind of washed. And it's like, I don't know. I was kind of figuring he has a plan and things are going to get going. But just they just look so disorganized on offense for so much of the game that really that just seems what it is. It's like they've never met each other sometimes, and they're just kind of running around doing nothing. It's like the Westbrook quote, you know, about uh, Pat Bev. Like, <laughs> Ironically, he's on the Wolves. Yeah. <laughs> game like this. It's just like, what are some of these possessions just running around the perimeter, handing the ball back and forth, and really not creating any advantages anywhere? It's weird. Yeah, The, the Brogdon play, I don't – like, it's weird that I'm focused so much on that play because a lot went wrong at the end. You brought up the Beasley three, and they got to stop. Like, that – they had it, and Sabonis having a Hall of Fame rebounding night. They just they couldn't get that one, and it absolutely killed them. Uh, but they, they come down, they're down three. They come out of a timeout too. Yeah, and Brogdon had. I I think there was a ghost screen or something. But you're like you said. First of all, T.J. McConnell was in the game and did not have the ball. So him being out there, you're already playing four and five. Uh, the Wolves were also playing four and five at the end with a Kogi. It was very gross at the end of this game, but. 
Then Sabonis uninvolved completely. Brogdon can't get anything. The, the, the Wolves did not fall for whatever they drew up. So he has to create. He couldn't create an advantage. Justin Holiday gets completely blocked. And it's like, you know, Carlisle's better than that, right? Like, I that was weird for him. And he's had better end of games even this season, I think. You know, they won they won the Heat game in overtime. You know, they had good, good endings with Duarte against the Lakers. Brogdon's had some great clutch games. But that was a real stinker. Uh, and, and Brogdon Fraud's clutch brilliance has not quite had it as much this season. Sabonis hit the, you know, hit that game winner against the Celtics last year. I don't think he's hit a clutch shot this season. Like they, Duarte has been their best clutch guy this year, and he's a rookie, and he was t- out of this game for technical foul reasons. It's, it's very unusual the lack of firepower that they have of reliable dudes in the clutch. And I know that's kind of emblematic of these guys aren't that good the whole game, but at the end they just they turn into something else. Yeah, and that's kind of what it seems like. And I'm I'm looking at like the stats here and there, and it's like, are is this team just lacking shooting, or is it like they're not getting good shots? Because like it's still early in the season, and some of this is variance. And I would assume Brogdon is not going to be this bad all year. You know, thirty three percent from three point line for him seems like impossibly low. Um, but maybe they're just creating bad shots, and he's always half injured and stuff like that. So he'll go on stretches where he's good and bad, but. You know, um, you know. Aside from Miles Turner, like this team can't really shoot right now. Uh, everyone's in and out of the lineup. That's tough. Duarte, since he's gotten hurt, is kind of like you know a little bit of a rookie wall, a mini rookie wall, maybe. I mean, he still played okay tonight, but little stuff like that. So you know, I do still think this is going to come together. I do think Rick probably still can figure this out, but it does just—it's just weird how poor so many possessions are. It seems like this should be a team that has enough like pros and talent on it that even if they're not winning games, like they should just like look like they're running things properly. Um, and they just look out of sorts so often that it's just weird. They they had that last year too, where like every game they would they would play their opponent even or win for like 40 minutes and then just have like a what the hell just happened eight other eight minutes and then just get smoked. And this year that eight minutes has turned into like five minutes, but it still happens every game. And that's, that's weird. And like, I know, I know everybody says it who's watched basketball for way longer than me. The hallmark of a mediocre team is that's what happens. Like they have a crappy stretch every game because their players aren't as good and they can't, they can't get out of the funk. Like I get that, but it's so bizarre that it happens every game still to me. And it happened again in this game um, in the third quarter this time. And it's so weird because, like I say, like almost every individual game, you can kind of point to something and be like, give them excuses and say like, okay. And it's still just barely past Thanksgiving. So new coach, couple new guys, lots of injuries. And then like tonight specifically, no Miles. I mean, no TJ Warren, which is just normal at this point. But, you know, Duarte gets kicked out. Domas is in foul trouble. And that stuff all kind of coincides. And like legitimately, you know, Edwards was hot for a while and cat was kind of going off too. And like, those are just great players. You can blame some of that on defense, but they just had a good little run while it coincided with the Pacers one. But like, you know, at some point it's just like, this happens every game. It does. And uh, yeah, this one was annoying almost as a viewer because like cat had probably eight points, 10 points in the second and third quarters where the Pacers strategy on him, it actually worked at times. They put Brogdon on him and then doubled uh, but there were a few possessions. Cat fi- figured it out in the third quarter. He's like, "Oh yeah, I can just turn around and shoot because I'm way taller than this dude." And the Pacers had no answers for that. And all of a sudden, you're like, "Man, if Miles Turner was playing, this game would look completely different right now." Because then they'd actually have a tall person to guard. The yeah, there was one person. you called out where Ant just broke down. I forget who, but just went by him and just like went for a dunk. Like 
There yeah, the Pacers had to play Torrey Craig at center because Isaiah Jackson was terrible in his uh, his early stint when he was in as the lone center. And as Reed scored seven points in like four minutes. And then Goga played better than Isaiah, but at not not good enough to play. So they went small. Then when Torrey Craig's your center, you can only get so much rim protection and defense in. So, yeah, the, the, certainly personnel was a factor in their struggles tonight. But it's like you just said, it's, it's something different every game. It still is happening every game. They were up 12 in the third quarter of this game. And this is kind of another less important story of this game, but still something that happened. You know, as that run got going, Duarte gets kicked out, like you said. I have no idea what he said to the ref. Gets his first tech, he clapped. He definitely deserved the clapping tech. I have again, I don't know what he said. I can't say if he deserved or didn't deserve the first one, but gets ejected. That would have been very helpful for the Pacers to have him because you talked about them missing shooting. I mean, he's been a decently reliable three-point shooter, and Lavert was once again back to the Lavert we've seen for much of the season, not very good in this game. So they could have really used Duarte at the two late in this game, and then a timeout 50-something seconds later, TJ McConnell of all players gets a tech. I mean He's the nicest dude ever besides his random annoying things he does. That was surprising. Carlisle gets a tech. He said he just thought that the refs were not, you know, getting everyone straightened out after a situation like that, right? And they kind of ignored it. And and he so that that gave the the Timberwolves three tech free throws, continued their run going. But not having Duarte in that tech stretch just kind of that flipped the whole game. The Pacers were still ahead at that point and they couldn't hold on from then on. It was very odd. And uh, not having Duarte, Turner, and Warren, all of a sudden that really stacks up. So to your point yeah. about their shooting, I think that <laughs> removing their two best healthy shooters uh, for the third and fourth quarter is also a big factor in this one. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, it, it, this game could be however you want to see it, I think. You could just say, oh, tough loss, back-to-back, down guys, Duarte gets kicked out, fall trouble for Domas, you know. I mean, he still had an incredible game, but he played 36 minutes on a night. He probably would have played 40-something plus, right? Um, and that stretch when he was out kind of coincided with how, how when they when they really gave up the lead. And then, like, even despite all that, you know, make or miss league, like Beasley hits that one in the corner. Justin got a great shot, wide open one, I think in like kind of a little mini transition. It, it went in. It, I swear it went in. As in and out as it can get. And then they created another great look in the corner for TJ McConnell, which you could argue that's never a good look. And they gave him that on purpose. But, like, you know, that was a well-run offensive play that, like, got a guy an open shot. And he, like – you know, you could argue you shouldn't have been taking it, but he's on the court. He's a basketball player. Like it is what it is. So, um, you know, it, both, both those go down and Beasley misses and they win by five, right? Like, you know, it's, it's just a weird league. And, but if you want to say the Pacers are just not good enough, they can't get over the hump. The coaching's bad. Uh, the players aren't up there. Karras, I mean, real hot and cold. I mean, you know, I understand what he's been going through for his last year of his life and all that and everything, but just like, on the court some nights, it's just just like he is not an asset. And tonight, I mean, just putting up those kind of numbers, wasting so many possessions, it's just how do you get out of that hole, you know? Hey, guys, one short little break to talk to you guys about the good folks over at Truebill because did you know that free trials renew very often without your consent? It's a business scam that is out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill and take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is a new app that lets you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need or forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 per year with Truebill because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. And Truebill makes it super simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in just one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there to help you when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions. You don't have to. They have over 2 million users and have helped save them over $100 million. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com 
slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now, Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. could save you thousands a year, Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. I gave him flowers yesterday. He had a great weekend. And then yep. that was the opposite of everything that I just I just talked about of, of what he can do well. And yeah, that was really poor from him. They need I mean nine points on 14 shots in a two point loss is extremely not what you want. We'll get to him because I'm going chronologically from biggest to smallest story of this game. And Sabonis is somehow the third biggest story of this game. <laughs> With it like if, if they win this game, I mean he, he, he like automatically wins player of the week next week. And it's like the headline for every single person covering this team, because do you remember any 25 rebound games uh, from your time covering the team? I think Roy definitely didn't have one. And he was a listener for a lot. No, I mean, I was going to say maybe Troy Murphy. <laughs> oh, that's possible. <laughs> like the last one. That was kind of when I started covering them back in the day. I'm that old. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, maybe Dale Davis or something back in the day. But yeah, I mean, it's real. I think I saw I saw a Stat Muse thing that like this is the third. We're always so quick with the good stuff. <laughs> this is the third twenty-five point triple double in this shot clock era. The other two were Shaq and Dream, and wow. they were and they were both with blocks. This was the first one ever with with assists. That is correct. Good job. Wow, that that's nuts. I mean, he was so good on the glass, and Cat's like weaker than him. I get it. Turner was out. That, the situation was like perfect for him to have a game like this, but st- it's still like guys have perfect situations to have games like this all the time and don't have 25 rebounds and 10 assists and 16 points. He was ridiculous. They, they, they should have played through him more. The only reason he didn't have 20, 30, and 12 is because of foul trouble. He could have played the whole game if, if Carlisle could have let him. There were some. But I mean, even so, and I think Caitlin pointed this out on Twitter was like, you know, he shot four, th- four threes, and a couple of them I know were kind of just like, all right, I'm wide open. I pump fake. Twice and I'll just take it here. Uh, but I mean, if you take away those threes, he was five for eight from the field inside the three point line. And it's like, why is he taking eight shots in a night? You know, and he got the line yeah. quite a bit, like, not quite a bit, but like, you know, I guess a little above his average probably. But it's just like, man, when they're down so much, it's just like, it's not like he needs to be shooting constantly. He just needs to be a little more involved. And he was clearly involved. But like, how does he not get more looks than that? I agree. I, I, I don't want to be too critical, but I'm over it with his threes. Like, I'm just, I get why Carlisle wants anyone he plays to be able to shoot. Like, the, to be fair, the way he likes to play, like, I get it. That's fine, whatever. Like, Dwight Powell shooting threes last year, too. But they, they don't go in. They just, they just don't go in. You're just wasting those possessions when he can do so much more from other areas of the court. But that, I don't want to critique too much for him. I mean, he was so good on the glass. He gave them a chance on a game where basically everybody else outside of Brogdon Kind of stunk it up. Justin Holiday had an okay game as well, but they had, they got nothing from so many dudes. And Sabonis kept a minute with extra possessions, ridiculous rebounds too, just like overpowering everybody on Minnesota. It was it was really impressive for him, and it, it sucks to see a performance like that wasted. Like I almost thought, Carl Anthony Towns fell out with a minute fourteen to go, and the Pacers were down by three. I almost thought at that point, like Sabonis is going to get them this win, and because he was playing that well to that point. Yeah, I don't think he really touched the ball again, did he? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he got those free, um, throws. Got those free throws. Yeah, Justin down. Holiday got the wing three, and then Justin yeah. Holiday got blocked by Okogi, and then Brogdon got a layup, and Keelan Martin got a putback that completely didn't matter at all. <laughs> but right. yeah, I don't think he did. That's that's kind of maybe he tipped the one that the Wolves got the offensive rebound and ended up putting the game away. But I think he did. Yeah, um, yeah, that just just bounced too far for him. So a wasted, amazing performance from him. It's such a bummer. I mean, they, this is like another game because they they last week when they smoked the Pelicans, 
part of that game, they were they were playing more free per their own admission. They got him the ball more, right? He had the ball a lot more, and lo and behold, their offense looks a lot better. I think it's pretty obvious that he needs to become more involved going forward in a way that isn't just eight two-point shots. Like, when he can get 10 assists and be – he was a plus 17. He played 36 minutes. That means they lost by 19 points in 12 minutes when he sat on the bench. I think that kind of <laughs> says it perfectly. They just need to keep him involved when he's in the game. I think they've kind of gone away from that too much this season. I hate to do I mean, this I on a day after. Like, I mean, you know, I haven't gotten to speak to you much about this the whole season. This game is kind of is what it is. Rough second half, fell apart in the third, all that stuff. We've kind of been over. But, like, I mean, these kind of constant four-point losses, overtime losses, I mean, is it something you're seeing as more, like, fatal flaw or, like, bad luck and it will even out and they, they probably should be a 500 team right now at least? Yeah, it's weird. Like, like every smart basketball person ever is like, yeah, clutch net rating is a joke. Like, it doesn't matter. It always evens out over time. It's all luck. And, like, yes, there are clutch players who are good at end of games compared to their normal expectation. So to that point, I kind of think, yeah, they've, they've been a little unlucky. But I also, like, I can watch what they did and be like, wow, what was that? You know, like, they, they shot themselves in the foot doing this, this, and this in the last three minutes of that game. So a little bit of both. Uh, a little bit of both, which is like they got the Kings win. They got the stops that night, but that <laughs> the Kings, congrats, you know, you, you beat the Kings. Uh, so it's weird. Like, like LaMelo ball banked in two threes and like Davis Bertans hit a fadeaway 30 footer. And, you know, they got like Chris Duarte got fouled against the Lakers. They ended up losing that one. That last two minutes report revealed that like a lot of them. Robert Covington, it's four threes in three minutes. Like a lot of them are like, oh, like what can you do? But at the same time, when it happens so much, at some point it becomes a pattern, right? Like I'm, I'm watching it happen. So I don't, I don't really know what, what to make yeah. of it. Uh, it's tough because they go to Utah, get a win. Was that yeah. a back to back in altitude, right? Like or yeah. close to it? They go and win in Chicago, and like they kind of want a little run where you thought they were good, and then it's just like. Then they lose to the Pistons and the Hornets, and it's just like you know, like, the NBA is also like pretty decent across the board now. I don't think there's as many like terrible, good league this year teams as there used to be. I yeah. guess Detroit is like one of the ones that you'd say, but like, um, so it's like you know, not even a night thing, but yeah, every time I think they're coming together, it's like someone gets hurt and then they just look like garbage again. It's weird because okay, so I ran through the schedule, start of the season, I go through game at a time. Like, I can see the back-to-backs. I can see the other team schedule, stuff like that. So it's a lot easier to predict what's going to happen. I had them at 10 wins right now. They have nine. Like, they haven't – they beat Detroit. They're, like, right where reasonably anyone who's like, studies the whole league thinks they could be. But they they haven't strung together a win streak. They keep blowing these close games. They lost twice in overtime. And they did lose to Detroit. Like, just a, a lot of little stuff that makes you really unconfident in a team. And, you know, losing to the champs and then going to Minnesota and losing to – Minnesota's over 500. Like, they're not, like, bad. But just right. the, just it happening the same way it's been happening all year, just it's a head-scratcher for this team again. So it, it's it's weird that, you know, them being one win shy of where I had them still makes them feel, like, kind of a lot a lot worse than people expected. It's hard to, it's hard for me to wrap around both of those thoughts in my head at the same time. And are they 8-8 eight and eight since that terrible start? Uh, they were 1-6, and six and now they are not. Yes, that's correct. They're 8-8 eight yep. eight since they were starting 1-6. Yeah. Yeah, and it's weird. I mean, you know, you also have like if, if uh, Duarte gets that foul call right, they like they beat the goat, you know, yeah. on a four point play with a rookie like standing at the free throw line by himself, right? Like that would have been like a signature amazing win, but he doesn't get the call. They lose that game. I don't know. I, guess, I think my main thing is like 
I thought they were going to look more like organized and polished, even if they couldn't win. And I keep thinking about the injuries, but like you, who your roster is, is going to be like some injury stuff, right? Like you have all these guys that get hurt quite a bit. Right. Um, so that's kind of just built into the team maybe. But I just thought with Carlisle, they were going to look like more professional. And again, maybe we should have listened to Mavs Twitter a little more. And like maybe Rick doesn't have that anymore in him. Um, and they are just kind of like running around a little sloppier than I expect all the time. One more short little break so I can tell you guys about the good folks over at Bet Online because they have you covered all season with more props, more odds, and more lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head over to their new updated desktop or mobile website and sign up today. You can receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKED ON, all one word, to receive. Your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, your favorite Vegas casino games, the best props out there. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. I agree with that. I think it was Justin Rowan uh, who now his podcast is now for the Cavs, which is crazy to say. But um, he said one time that like sometimes when you when your team gets a new coach or a new player, like go to the other fan base and see if they're really bummed to be losing that guy or if they're kind of psyched, right? And that that's kind of telling. And Mavs Twitter wasn't like they weren't like bummed, like you know it, it was weird. They weren't psyched either. You know they obviously Carlisle won them a title, but it was kind of like split in the middle. And that kind of I was kind of surprised by that reaction. I'm not gonna lie, but maybe some of it was they knew Jason Kidd was coming. Still. Um, I was surprised by that reactions. Maybe they were onto something, but it's been 23 games and there has been eight and eight since their abysmal, abysmal start. That was a joke. The other yeah, weird thing I kind of looked at is the way I reason I maybe expected like more of like, you know, Rick's old, like co- coaches kind of usually have a shelf date. Even pop right now is not someone like most co- fan base in the league would be like, yeah, we got pop. Right. Like <laughs> right. eventually, you know, you kind of like get older, even though you're a legend and a hall of famer and all that. Um, I kind of thought with the Mavs, like it was kind of like a Luka situation and that roster was so strange and there was kind of a KP like weirdness. So like it seemed as though Rick was maybe like playing around Luka in a way he normally wouldn't if you didn't have that kind of like epic, amazing, you know, gravity swallowing talent. So I kind of thought like, oh, the Pacers is like a roster kind of custom built for him where like everyone can kind of do everything in a way, like a lot of capable ball handlers, a lot of, you know, just somewhat high IQ players across the roster, even like guys like TJ and like some of the guys on the bench who are vets and stuff like that, Justin holiday stuff. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of weird that they can't just like get looking like a signature team with a signature style or an identity of any sort. They still, I think barely, but I still think they have a winning record when all three of Brogdon, Duarte and Levert play, which is interesting. Um, even though Levert's been, been pretty rough. So that's certainly strange. This is something else, just speaking about the confidence and vibe of the team that that I've thought about a lot is they've never had a win streak longer than two. Like you've never been like, like if you're a fan, you've never been like, ha, like finally we're playing well. You know what I mean? Like they, the Rocket, the Houston Rockets are on a three-game winning streak right now. The Houston Rockets, the Pacers have never gotten that three-game win streak this year. And, and that's been really killer for them. Like if they had just beat Detroit – they get three in a row if they win that Lakers game. They get three in a row. They blow it against Portland. They get three in a row if they win that. They lose to the Jokic-less Nuggets. They get three in a row if they win that. But they, it's never happened. Like some stupid hurdle just gets in their way over and over. It's, it's so weird how many things chopped up have just completely changed the vibe and, and, and outcomes of this team. I said vibe. I hate the word vibe. 
but just how many things have altered their season in that way. And when you're nine and 14, it's so weird. Like you said this early and I've never thought that I did this, but there's so many games after the game. I'm like, Oh, you know, it makes sense why they lost, even though it was close. But like after a point where you do that so much, it's like, why do I keep saying it like that? I should be like, this is so bad that this keeps happening to this team. And, they can't get a win streak. They can't win the close games. It just all adds up to like, man, these guys maybe aren't that good right now. Yeah, it's rough. I mean, I think I like back in the day anyways, I kind of always used to be like, you know, the NBA season doesn't really start until Thanksgiving. And they've kind of pushed the season earlier in this October over the years. So, like, that's not the exact deadline that I would use anymore because we're 20-something games in now, right? Um, but, you know, those first 10 to 12 games, it's kind of like, all right, this is still basically preseason, especially with a new coach injuries all that but yeah i mean at some point we're you know we're a quarter of the way through the season now more than that right so it's like it, i don't think the record changes like significantly that much going forward like traditionally in the nba it's kind of like you kind of are who you are once we get to 40 games and we're you know we're getting there we're getting there and this doesn't look like a good team it's just weird. uh yeah you you know who broke the trend of teams that had a bad 20 game start and then close awesome last season Nate, <laughs> uh, that's actually one. That's that was not who I was going they to say. They started real good last year, and then they just fell apart. I was going to say the Mavs, but also ah, the Pacers and the other Nate uh, in in Atlanta. Ironically, a very uh, Pacers fury question, but th- those were the three teams that it happened to. It's it, it's not like yes, it is a kind of true thing that after twenty games, the standings are pretty close to how they finish. But the Mavs are really bucked that trend last year with also a hard schedule. That's where I want to close this. I don't know if you think this matters as much as it's been talked about, but you know their schedule's been really hard. Uh, whatever, they still should have won more of the games that they were in right at the end. Their next, they're 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 home from now until the fifteenth of December now, which is huge. They've been traveling wow. so much. I think they've slept in their bed two consecutive days, like once since the season started. I mean, do you feel like that actually can matter for this team, or is that just kind of an overblown talking point for a team that's been traveling so much? No, for sure. I mean, I, again, I think. There was that weird stretch where they were on the road and lost to the Knicks, Pistons, and Hornets in a row. But going into that and then, like, out of that, I think they looked like a competent team again. You know, again, if they win that Lakers game, we're talking about them right now as if, oh, of course they lost to the Bucs. It's Giannis. And then, like, back-to-back, they lost a tough one to Minnesota, and we're having a completely different conversation, right? Right. Um, or if they, like, pull out the win tonight and a couple shots go the other way, we're talking about them kind of completely different. So I, I do think this team can still become good, and I would expect, like, a Rick-based team to, like, maybe figure it out eventually. Like, again, I just have enough respect and faith in him to get these guys, like, doing something, and maybe what he's trying to do, like, is a little more not plug-and-play um, and he requires the guys who have been hurt to kind of be all together to learn it. Um, and he, he was a little bit resistant, I think, to kind of like keep up the back-to-back seasons where like Nate and then Nate 2.0 were kind of like both like happy to use 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 Domas kind of as the hub and just kind of like go through with that, especially last year with Nate 2.0. I kind of like was a little surprised that he did that because it's kind of an unusual way to play, right? To like yeah. use your your center as like this guy who comes out and sends sends sets a – you know, 45 pick and rolls at the top of the key all game long and does these dribble handoffs. But, like, he must have watched enough film and, like, saw it worked. And, like, Rick, I guess, kind of was against that for a while. He seems to be, like, now a little more like, all right, Domas is kind of like what we have and we need to, like, make it work. Um, and it does seem to be working better now. So I, I honestly still am fairly optimistic. I mean, at 9-14, to 14, like, what are they going to be on Christmas Day? Who knows? But, I, I mean, I think – 
this is a this should be like a capable team by January. Yeah, l- let's chat on January third because from from right now until like I just said, they play six in a row at home. They play seven of eight at home. Like that's a key stretch to get your season back a little bit when you're nine and fourteen. And then after Chris, well, the day two days before Christmas until January second, they play Houston, Chicago, Charlotte, Chicago, Cleveland. They've already beaten Chicago. They've lost to Charlotte by a combined four points in two games. The Cavs are actually kind of good, but they're still young. Those are winnable games. Sexton's hurt. A lot of factors there. They, they, they could match up well against them. In theory, by January 3rd, if this team is still like six, seven games under 500, then you got to go, okay, whoa, <laughs> this is wrong. Like, this is bad. They need to change quite a bit of stuff. But if they have recovered by then, I think you can kind of look back at their beginning of the season a little differently. That said, patience only gets a fan base so far. So I don't want to be like, well, just, just wait till January, guys. So. I, I do think that day will be important in my own head, but th- this uh, this upcoming stretch is pretty important for this team. Yeah, and if they get like a ten game stretch with like mostly everyone healthy and like you know not Miles just missing get random games with illnesses like throws that off and all this stuff, Duarte getting hurt and then thrown out of games. You know, there's just the lack of consistency, and it just when you have a team that is really built upon like five guys whose usage should be like twenty. You know, there's just not yeah. as much room for like having like Dame Lillard come in and just like win five games in a row for you. Like they just as good as much respect and as as great as I think Domas really is, like he just isn't gonna go win games for you by himself, right? Like there still just needs that consistency across the roster that they just haven't had. So I'm still like not gonna completely say this team is trash until they're bad, like when they're actually together. Yep, I agree, and I have to close by saying they you you brought up the twenty usage thing. I talked about Balancer last week on this show. Uh, they were three and seven when someone took twenty or more shots in a game prior to tonight. Brogdon took twenty tonight. They are now three and eight. I'm just saying, if a few more of those possessions go to Demontis Sabonis, maybe we're having an entirely different conversation. Jared doesn't write about basketball anymore, but his Twitter feed is is a lot of Steph Curry and a little bit of other teams. So, Jared, where can people follow you and all your stuff? Yeah, Jared underscore Wade, uh, not really much of a basketball uh, writer or professional uh, folk anymore, but just watch and enjoy it. So there's some tweets on there and a lot of other crap, too. Please enjoy Steph while he is killing it. I am very excited for Suns Warriors tomorrow. Very excited. That's going to be such. It's so rare that a regular season game, 21 games in, I'm like like planning to stay up late for already, but I'm really excited for that game. This show's on I I was the old one. You can't yeah, I'm, I'm robotic and washed. I mean, staying up till <laughs> where it's 1130 right now. Like I'm already like, man, tomorrow's going to be tough. <laughs> I'm on Twitter at T East NBA and the show is at locked on Pacers tomorrow. We'll be previewing Pacers Hawks and ironically, uh, name McMillan versus the Pacers. And what should prove to be an interesting test game for the Pacers as they start that homestand on Wednesday. So we'll see you then. Thank you guys for listening and have a good one.